0: Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Welcome everyone, and uh, very excited to speak with Travis Saunders for this weekly dose of inspiration. So Travis is the presenter and producer of the award-winning ABC podcast, The Parenting Spectrum which you know, real talk is making me a little bit nervous here to be uh, speaking to an award-winning podcaster. But uh, he's also a member of the Australian Autism Research Council. He's vice chair of the board at Autism Camp Australia, an education consultant, autism advocate, professional speaker, adventurer, and I'd say the most important, he's a father to an incredible autistic son. He's taught in schools all over the world and worked with autistic students for more than 20 years. Travis travels the country presenting workshops and keynote addresses to students, parents, teachers and allied health professionals about neurodiversity, parenting and how to be a positive guide. In 2020, he was awarded Autism Spectrum Australia Parent Carer of the Year. And the way we actually came across Travis was from 2013 when he was a finalist in the South Australian Community Achievement Awards in the Carers SA Carer Achievement Award. Travis, welcome and it's really great to speak with you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a it's a privilege.
0: No problem. So, you know, one of the things in your bio there is talked about travelling the country, presenting workshops. Has that been a bit different, you know, in recent times or have you been able to still, you know, be involved with that over different methods?
1: Oh, look, look, I've still been able to be involved in it over many different methods, but uh, I think what I've done in the last, I guess, since uh, COVID uh, came onto our shores, so to speak, I've had to... Reevaluate and look at uh, how I present to audiences, and prioritize some uh, different things in, in our family's life. Because obviously we have a we have an autistic child that uh, requires very substantial support. So, our, the the first thing I did is that I had to prioritize my son, and I had to prioritize my family over over my work commitments. But what that's meant over the last you know several months is that I've been able to reflect and review all of the products that I've been working on and delivering in, in schools over many, many years. Uh, I've got a very, very exciting uh, new venture, which is going to be released in 2021. We've developed a product, which is called uh, Working With Parents. And uh, over the years, as, as parents and, and carers of, of an incredible child that, that has significant needs, we realised there were a few um, difficult situations that we'd been put in over the years in terms of working with educators, but also working with allied health professionals. And what we wanted to do was to bridge that gap. And then, of course, there's, then there's the approaches that people use when they talk to talk to parents and also talk about children uh, and adults that that have a disability. And then finally, it kind of encapsulates a whole lot: is about tees, teamwork, trust and uh, a two-way street. And this forms the word which is called great. So we're helping people create great relationships. We create great teachers, great allied health professionals and great parents that can work together.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. As you were kind of listing off those letters, I was like, is he going with great here? Yeah, yeah so that's awesome. Um, and you know what, I, what you touched on there about relationships, its uh, that's key, isn't it, to, to so many walks of life. And I think when um, you know we're talking about uh, kids, whether that's with autism or not, it's so important to have great relationships and communication. And so sometimes I think people maybe don't, I don't know, make that switch in their heads that that that's the most important thing, start with that great relationship and everything can go from there. So yeah, it sounds like what you're doing is, uh, is fantastic and would just have so many benefits, not just as you're saying to the parents, but to the allied health workers, to the education workers as well. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you, and you don't have to uh, uh, go very far to see uh, where some of these relationships are have, have fallen down. You, you're hearing about them uh, online and through the Disability Royal Commission. Um, you go into these different uh, uh, social media hubs or, or groups, and you're hearing about not only educators and allied health professionals talking about how they want to develop those better relationships, but parents often talking about some of those pitfalls and about what they really wish they they'd had and they didn't quite know how to get there. They didn't quite know how to develop those relationships. And so that's what uh, we do at, at Working With Parents is that we, we help them um, marry and, yeah. and form those really good bonds, which, which are respectful.
0: That's awesome. You know, I just want to ask a quick question about the uh, another thing that I really, um, you know, piqued my interest when you were describing all of that is the, um, you know, around disability and language. Would you be able to give a couple of examples of maybe some common, you know, pe- things that people misstep in terms of describing disability and uh, and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, look, I, and I might use a, even a, an example that's come up within our own family dynamic. Sure. Um, so just to give the the listeners a a little bit of a perspective here. So I've got an incredible 11 year old son. His name is Patch. Uh, He was diagnosed on the autism spectrum before he turned two. Uh, He's incredibly, he he changes my life. Uh, He changes the life of of people he meets. And Patch has uh, very significant needs and he requires uh, very substantial support, uh, 24 hours a day. As parents, we've we've had dealings with people in the community and uh, people in, in our own families uh, that uh, use words that are now being used in everyday life. And, and the example that I give here is is the word crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, a it's a, and, and I don't have anything against anyone that uses the word crazy, but I'm just, like I like to discuss it in terms of where my thought processes are and why I no longer use that word. To use the word crazy to describe everyday things for me in my own life is no no longer part of of my vocabulary. And it's because of the the impact that I feel that that word can have on my son because of its historical context, because historically it was a word to describe those that had an an intellectual disability or had uh, some, some mental health issues. And so I no longer use that word. And, and likewise, I no longer use the word uh, insane to describe something that is great. If we as individuals look at our own language and try to replace uh, some of those words, and we're more conscious of those words that we use, and replace them with, with other words, not only are we um, supporting those with disabilities by not making them feel less than, so we're not using any of our ableist language, we are ultimately improving our own vocabulary and, uh, and, <laughs> and the way that we interact with others. So, and, that's, that reson- and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, that resonates with me, Travis, because um, I reflected on that late last year in December, um, just before Christmas, that kind of concept of the word crazy uh, and its meanings and its origin. I realised, had that realisation, that that's part of my vocabulary. Um, and to this day, you know, it does kind of pop in there. But I think that is important to what you're saying, just to be aware of the words you're saying and to not look at it as, um, oh, it's just a, I don't mean any harm by it, why can't I say it, but actually look at it from another standpoint, well, this is a chance for me to expand my vocabulary and think of other words which are going to really make people feel good and, uh, and yeah. not have a conversation. Yeah, really interesting. And, you know, I'm sure there's been some hard conversations with family members and friends um, that might incorrectly think you're having a go at them, but it's not about that, is it? It's just...
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's right. I, I guess uh, that's why I open up about my, my own experiences and, and uh, reflect on my own behaviours. Uh, and when we run one of these workshops, when we're talking about empathy and we're talking about language, what I do is, is I get those, those audience members, the allied health professionals, the educators, is to think about a word or a phrase that, that they actually use that could have a, a negative impact on others. So they actually unpack that themselves and and look at their own behaviours as opposed to me directing them and telling them a list of those words that that, uh, maybe they should think about
0: not using. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I love this thing um, that the way that you describe it, you know, your your son, um, Patch, and yeah, again, it's about language, isn't it, and the way you describe him, but, you know, you've told me that he's your driving force for change. Was that natural for you to kind of come on this journey of, um, try to help
1: others that's a that's a really really good question and I guess there are a lot of uh, facets to this in terms of the way it all came together in terms of the driving forces to of, of what inspires me to to help others I think intrinsically um, from experiences from when I was a lot younger uh, i am I am driven to support those that are discriminated by the differences yeah um, to help them uh, have their own platforms and have their own voice and have their own commentary around around discussions. Recently started talking about this, I guess, in the last 12 months or so, is that uh, I have a chronic uh, facial motor tick. Um, you can see it from time to time. It stands in my neckline and, and into my face. And and uh, it doesn't exist as much these days as to what it did when, when I was a lot younger, when I was in primary school, but more in particular when I was in high school years. And... And I was bullied uh, for this facial tic, and it was something that I, that I really tried to mask. I tried to hide from others. Uh, I, you know, positioned my body so I was on the side. I would put my hands up to to my neckline and to my face. Uh, I'd make up stories about you know about what it was, so to try and to kind of deflect uh, people looking at me, staring at me, making commentary about about my own differences. And and it wasn't until I started talking about this and and uh, really started to embrace my differences uh that uh, i was more comfortable with my own facial tick and, and since then uh that facial tick and uh its number of occurrences uh has dramatically decreased but it was something that it was quite debilitating for me early on in life sure and so i think the fact that uh I had these own experiences as as a young person and certainly helped me to connect with others that that also have differences because i 'm able to understand from some perspective as to what they're like i'm absolutely driven to support others um, the education aspect I guess that's helped in terms of communicating and networking with others and and having the knowledge on on how to uh, be creative with content and how to connect with audiences so they can get the most out of it and so in terms of advocacy work there, uh, that's, that's helped me. But in terms of um, storytelling, uh, I remember working in schools that uh, there were three or four classrooms uh, in one space and uh, sometimes the petitions were up and sometimes the petitions were open. And, and I was a geography, social science, science teacher and uh, I'd always try to finish a lesson on a story related to the curriculum. And I remember uh, looking across one day, and there was a maths class and an English class, all stopped, pens down, listening to my <laughs> stories. And so, uh, so I use those, those, those stories and that that methodology to to sell what I'm trying to uh, to achieve in terms of getting people to understand. Um, differences are a great thing and to embrace differences and and what that can not only mean for the individual with a disability but uh, those individuals uh, that are supporting them.
0: That's great I can imagine being one of the students and oh there's a story this is much more exciting than maths (laughs) so you know you're talking about storytelling and using that but um, on top of storytelling I know that you've used some physical kind of things like running marathons and doing incredible feats of athleticism and endurance to kind of raise awareness and spread a message. Um, can you tell us and give us a bit of insight on in how those ideas kind of came to life?
1: I guess in the early days, I wanted to talk about autism awareness. And uh, I wanted people to understand, understand what, um, various aspects of autism. And so I remember one day I thought I'd use one of my strengths, which used to be exercise at this particular time in my life, uh, but I'd let myself go, and I decided that I was going to go for a run around a run around a block. And I got about 500 metres, and uh, was physically ill. I was struggling, dealing with uh, some of the things in my own life. I'd uh, uh, been obviously dealing with those those traumas, those traumatic situations early in my life, with with regards to bullying and harassment at school. Uh, I was struggling, um, comprehending what an autism diagnosis would mean for my son and uh, our own family's dynamic and our life. So I went for this run, I sat in the gutter after 500 hundred metres and I threw up. Uh, I was absolutely spent, my bucket was full, everything was flowing over the top. And I realised then that I needed to get fit and I needed to look after my own mental health and welfare in order to support my, my, my son and also um, my, my family. And I wanted to support other families and I wanted to support organisations which were supporting uh, children like my son and, obviously, my own, my own family. And so I set up what was called Run for Autism at the time and uh, I ran 12 marathons in, in 12 months and uh, I mean, a bucket load of cash.
0: Can I ask quickly, what was the time difference there between you and the gutter and running 12 marathons in 12 months? Because that uh, must have taken some yeah. significant training to get to that point.
1: Yeah, about about eighteen months, I think. at the end, uh, I remember that first year, I ran four marathons, including an ultra marathon, and then the, the yep. year after, i had gone to a presentation and and uh, heard Pat Farmer, the famous uh, Aussie ultra marathon runner, talk about raising money and uh, through running. And this is back when uh, fundraising platforms were quite the the in thing online. For sure. And uh, and people were kind of <clears throat> willing to 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 support uh, lots of. Different uh, causes or not-for-profits, and so I set up the platform, and I had um, people from all over Australia run wearing the t-shirt, and uh, we raised somewhere between 150 to 200,000 uh, Australian dollars with kind of online and offline uh, donations. But I guess the, um, the 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 big change in my family's life was to do with uh, cycling across America. Yeah, And this came about in terms of a, it was a very kind of a dark time in my family's life, is that uh, Fiona and myself, we were quite struggling uh, in terms of our own relationship, but our son was struggling in terms of uh, connecting with the curriculum that we were delivering with him using external or outside uh, providers, because we we're all looking at at his weaknesses in terms of his development. We weren't looking at his strengths and interests Mm -hmm. to the degree of which we should have been looking at them. And so we had a big dynamic kind of shift in in terms of our understanding, in terms of what was important. So Fiona and I had, uh, and Patch had moved to New South Wales and and Patch was attending an autism-specific school there and it wasn't working out for a a variety of different reasons. And and, uh, I remember one day going to a sailing event. There was a local disability organisation that used to um, use these little 12-foot skiffs and they had carers that go out with the children and it was an opportunity uh, for the children to try something different. And Fiona, she was quite skilled in in the art of uh, sailing these little 12-foot skiffs, so she was out with Patch. And I was actually uh, sitting on the side with another father whose 24-year-old son was out there sailing with a carer. And this 24-year-old, Trent was his name, he'd come in and he'd, he'd, he'd say to Dad, 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 can I can I go out in the 12-foot boat by myself? And uh, Dad would say, oh, you know, not yet, Trent, not yet. You, you're almost there, mate. You're almost there. And Trent would turn to me and he'd only just met me and he'd say, Travis, Dad says there's nothing I can't do. Dad says there's nothing I can't do. And Trent would go out and come back in again and we'd all have this same conversation. We had it half a dozen times that day. And I remember on the way home from the sailing event, talking to Fiona and kind of reflecting about another organisation in Australia at the time, which was strength and interest-based. Trent had sparked this little kind of thing in the back of my mind. And there was a guy called Chris Varney, and he started up what was called the ICANN Network, a strength and interest-based program for autistic uh, children and adults that, that ran in schools. And it was a mentor program and it was something that was just absolutely fantastic and so i started to reflect what were the times in in my life and Fiona's life that we felt felt embraced and we felt connected and what what were the times that we did what we were really good at yeah And i started to reflect on on things that patrick was really good at patrick loved camping he loved the great outdoors uh, he, and he loved movement movement in the sense of he loved to jump around he loved he loved trampolines he loved going on swings And so how could we combine all of this to combine all of our passions? And so one thing led to another. A month or so went by, and I managed to source a a bike called a Husser Pino. It was a semi-recumbent tandem. Pat sat on the front. I sat on the back, and I pedalled. And for Pat, riding the bike wasn't about him pedalling at this stage. Now, he, he has motor planning differences, and he can now ride a bicycle as a result of what we did. But it was about getting him out into the community it was about that movement it was about camping and adventure and so one thing led to another we got the bike patch absolutely loved it he was giggling for the first time in months and months and months and he was starting to verbalize certain words uh, to describe parts of the bike and then one day i got out a map of america and i put a and i put a line right across the across the states Ganna and I had spoken about doing a trip in the States. She thought we were just going to do a little 100 mile journey. But I said, hey, come on, what's the worst that can happen? We've got long service leave. Let's take it. Let's take advantage of this. Let's embrace you know, our family and our, and our differences. And let's get back to basics. And so we did it. We cycled from one side of America to the other. 5,600 kilometers, over 70, 79 days taught Patch using number plates that we found on the side of the road, uh, using the, the uh, place names of, of signage as, as we passed them on this huge journey. We, we camped um, in national parks, we rode with the bison, we uh, stayed uh, in strangers' houses, we got put up in autism organisations, uh, different locations. Patch had an opportunity to connect with individuals that saw him for somebody who was doing this amazing thing with his family as opposed to Somebody that did have these unique differences and what the rest of society often refers to as these weaknesses or deficits and for the first time in his life he was starting to excel and he was excelling because we were taking these strengths and interests and creating these splinter skills to then work on those yeah. weaknesses and it was a beautiful thing, best thing we've ever done. That's
0: incredible, and it shows when you focus on the individual and, and you're focusing on Patch's strength and his things that he likes, and that's incredible to see that he blossomed then and he's um, developing, whereas put someone in an environment where that doesn't suit them and forcing them to follow along, it doesn't work, and I think that's an interesting lesson that a lot of people can take something from. And that's yeah, 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 inspirational yeah. stuff, and also, again, what I'm taking from it as a, a dad to two um, young girls myself, like, you guys just put your family first and you knew that that was important. And that's really inspirational to me as well.
1: Yeah. Look, it's, you know, sometimes you've, you've got to put your, your career to the side at, at, at certain times in your life, if you can. I mean, what for us, I, I had to sell uh, so many different things to be able to fund that trip for our family. We were just lucky that we had the opportunity with long service leave. And I realized that not all families have this opportunity uh, I feel very privileged to the fact that we're able to do that. Well, what I try to talk to uh, parents and, and those that work with children with disabilities and particularly those that work with children who are autistic is that uh, you can do what our family did but on a small scale. You can 100%. Um, yeah. take a step back and you can go for a bike ride in the local town or you can set up, a, you know, a campsite in your backyard. You don't have to go abroad to do what we did.
0: Because your message is, you know, tr- perhaps loved camping, you loved outdoors, you loved movement, and you... you you made your experience focused on that. I see what you mean about you can just shrink the scale, but still the yeah. focus is where mm-hmm. the key is. Um, yeah, 5,600 kilometers. hundred kilometers—that's cra- that's, uh, I was about to say that's crazy. There we go. You're making a change with me. Thank you. That's, uh, that's incredible. That's what it is. Where did you start from?
1: Uh, so um, a place called Ana Cortez uh, in Washington State, and so over the north, then over the North Cascades, over the Rocky Mountains, across six major mountain passes, which wow. I guess I could write, I could be... do a whole podcast just on, <laughs> on, the, on those mountains, uh, and then uh, uh, across the Great Plains of America, and then uh, around the lakes, lakes area, and then uh, through the Appalachians, and then uh, all the way through to Washington DC. Finishing outside the Australian Embassy with a... Ah, with so from a, Washington a, State to Washington, D.C. Yeah.
0: There you go. I guess uh, transporting us now from the U.S. back uh, to South Australia. And if I remember correctly, when you were a finalist in the Community Achievement Awards, um, the award ceremony was at the Stanford Grant in Glenelg.
1: Seems like a, a long, long time ago. And I think the, the thing with those, um, you know, award nights, uh, such as Award Australia, is that they're really great for networking. Uh, you have an opportunity to, to meet others. I remember talking to the disability minister at the time, and as a result of talking to the disability minister at the time, he then came out to an event that I was running, I was running for 24 hours uh, to raise uh, the profile of autism awareness and understanding in Australia at the time. And I organised a bunch of other parents to also run for, for 24 hours. And I asked him, I said, look, would you come out? I said, uh, I'll walk that lap. Uh, of the uni in, in South Australia, it's a 2.2 kilometre lap. I just I just want you to have I just want to have a conversation with you so that we can start the ball rolling in terms of uh, support networks. And so, going along to those events and also being nominated um, really helps as a leverage point to then bounce off and grab new ideas and then open up conversations and emails and uh, to um, meet new people and and uh, kind of use it as a stepping stone to, to support, you know, your cause or, or what, or what you're actually passionate about. And so I've been nominated again this year or the semi-finalists.
0: Oh, um, I wasn't even aware of that. There you go. Yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And not everyone has an opportunity to be able to, to have a voice and be able to be representative of, of a certain uh, group of, of, of people. These days, I'm more about giving people uh, with a disability and autistic individuals their own voice. So it's so important for us to give platforms for autistic individuals and so if they're they're non-verbal, that we use AAC devices and record those devices and put them into podcasts. And that's why I created uh, the Parenting Spectrum, uh, the ABC podcast about autism and family life. I wanted to uh, give a voice to autistic people, people which have lived experiences so that um, mums and dads and carers and guardians uh, and other health professionals and educators can learn from those experiences, the first-hand experiences and gather ideas and be informed and, and be educated. And that's what uh, those awards do is that I never would have got to being a creator of an ABC podcast uh, if I hadn't been recognised from it for some of that early advocacy. And so it enables you to build off everything that you do to then create further change.
0: Absolutely brilliant. And one way I've heard it described from um, a past winner was that they described it like um, the, and this might be a, this might not a hit for some of the younger listeners, but in uh, Get Smart, the opening sequence, when he's, uh, he's walking... You know, he goes down the telephone booth. He's walking into the base, and the door after door after door is opening. And so um, he was saying it's like that, where you evolve with the awards, and a door will open, just like you said with mm-hmm. the minister, and then that opens to another door, and then there's another door. And so, but you also had a really important word about leveraging it. So we do find that the people who leverage it, who go out there and take that opportunity and connect and um, see where it can take them, that they you know get incredible kind of uh, opportunities that open up that maybe weren't there previously and the, they take that opportunity so that's really cool to hear that that conversation you know led to so many cool things and you know you are a very driven person so I know that for a fact that you would have uh, done all these things anyway very generous to say that uh, it was you know the awards helped you with that that's great I do want to ask about the podcast actually a bit more so you know who, who do you recommend listen to that because I think um, just from my own experience and friends and family that I know that that now it seems that everyone has um, someone they know, either you know, with a diagnosis, autism or on the spectrum themselves, or a close family member or a close friends. So it seems to me that um, you know, this podcast potentially could be beneficial to anyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Josh, I think it's the, the podcast that every Australian, every person in the world should listen to. I think when we, you know, we originally created it, we created the name of the the parenting spectrum, meaning that, you know, every parent has a different understanding and a a different interaction uh, with regards to their own experiences with their own children who have an autism diagnosis. But what it actually did was, and, and this happened afterwards, was that the way that we'd made it, it was so inclusive and it embraced everyone of difference. And it had so many different stories from so many different perspectives. And, it's, and it created so much uh, knowledge or wealth of knowledge that it could support anyone uh, across, a broad, uh, across broad areas. So whether or not you're in the workplace, whether or not you're a teacher, whether or not you're an allied health professional, the interaction that you have a, on a daily basis that uh, somebody's autistic. And it created a way of thinking, too, because we really dived deep in terms of the strengths and interest-based approaches and what that meant uh, for individuals. And we also broke down all those myths and misconceptions with regards to everything we'd all all been told um, over the years about what autism uh, was. And we kind of smashed that, like we smashed it apart. And uh, so over the last uh, kind of 18 months, I've been contacted um, by, you know, countless parents, individuals on the autism spectrum saying how thankful they are that with regards to the fact that we gave them a voice and that they consider it, uh, myself, that my, my, my family and that product, um, allies of the autistic community, which for me is just a, which is a beautiful thing. And mm. um, having teachers and allied health professionals that work on a daily basis with, with autistic students contact me and say, you changed everything about what I do. Your podcast and the people that you interview made me understand autism completely differently. And I'm now doing A, B, C, D, or E differently, or I've stopped doing such and such um, because I didn't realize the, the harm that that was causing. And, and if you're an employer, it can change your whole cultural practice of your organization and the way that you're actually working with somebody who is different within your organization, not just somebody who's autistic. Somebody who has differences, and because it, it's all about respect.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I think um, some people, you know, maybe there's a stereotype of, oh, I, I can't hire that person because they're on the spectrum, or that's not going to work for us. But you know, using your um, what you've been talking about, the strengths um, and interest-based, you know, potentially you could have the most superstar employee of all time if it's uh, oh, look, the right yeah, role for that. You yeah. know what I mean for that person?
1: Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. As an organisation, we interview somebody and we say, oh, well, they didn't come across as somebody that had the great greatest communication skills, uh, so therefore we're not going to employ them. Whereas they failed to look at possibly their strengths and their interests and what those could actually bring to the organisation. And how as an organisation, we could then work with that, that person and help them embrace their own communication methods and that we could be more accommodating as that organisation in terms of the way that we actually facilitate learnings for that individual to help them develop and develop their own strengths and interests. Thankfully, there's a lot of organisations out there now that have seen, seen this. A lot of tech companies are seeing this and they're going, oh, wow, they are or that person is the most intelligent person with regards to this componentry or this particular IT skill. They are going to elevate our organisation and make them the best. And so yeah. that's the way, hopefully, all organisations will grow across the board in the years to come.
0: For anyone listening that is wondering how that might play out in a real life example of, to share just a quick um, story about my brother, But basically he uh, was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Um, and, you know, as, that, as time's gone on, um, we realise that that's just now under the autism spectrum. Um, incredibly intelligent, but it comes across in different ways. He's a horticulturalist, and he uses his incredible um, encyclopedic memory to memorize all the different plants, flowers, the information about them. Um, and he's interested in it. So he can retain it. Mm-hmm. If he hasn't got an interest in something, he can't retain that information. Um, and his detail, his in- attention to detail is incredible because he can hyperfocus. And so his employer has re- realized that uh, over time and they use him now for specific things that they know his knowledge, his skills, and as you said, his strength and interest as suited to. And that's why I said superstar employee because that's his example. He is their superstar employee because they know what he's like and they utilise his skills and his strengths. It doesn't have to be a daunting thing. Uh, employers can identify ways that they can really work with people on the spectrum and, uh, you know, it'll just be a beautiful thing to have someone who can do a job better than anyone else and then that person is getting this incredible satisfaction that they're valued and um, that they're important as well. And
1: what, and what an advantage that is to not only the individual, but the organisation and the wider community. Definitely. That's
0: a great story. Yeah, thank you. Um, so well, it's not my story. I do know I'm saying thank you. But <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> before we finish up, Travis, uh, I really did want to ask you um, one more thing covered off on your um, podcast, which is fantastic. But I also wanted to ask, which was in your bio, about um, being a board member of the autism camp. And again, not really being... Um, not knowing much about that. It sounds a bit daunting having a, uh, a camp where lots of autistic people come together because that must be hard to organise. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, about your role on the, um, on the board of, uh, of Autism Camp Australia? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to talk about something that I'm really, really passionate about. So this year I was elected vice chair of uh, the board of Autism Camp Australia um, and I'm excited about it for, for lots and lots of different reasons. Uh, firstly, our CEO, um, Rachel, she is autistic, and she's got an autistic daughter, and uh, she's one of the most brilliant minds I've ever worked with. She is going to drive this organisation to be a household name. And uh, I think that's what drives me. I think everyone needs a little mentor along the way in terms of assisting them as to, the way that they do things. And I think without Rachel even knowing, she's, she's kind of like my mentor. And what a marvellous thing that is for me to, to almost do a, a round circle where I've got somebody in my life uh, that is an autistic mentor, and, that's, and that's, that's brilliant. It's a program very different to a lot of other camps that have supported uh, children uh, on the autism spectrum in the past. It's a program that not only supports the, the child that has an autism diagnosis, it's a program that supports siblings. So like yourself, Josh, you have a, have a brother. Um, you would have gone along on that camp and uh, you'd have an opportunity to do uh, just like your your brother would we could have an opportunity to do uh, rock climbing art and craft various water sports uh dance movement activities uh you name it in terms of what you think of of what an outdoor adventure type activity type camp is but also that your parents would have had the opportunity to go on that camp so mums and dads are catered for. And so we have almost like, it's almost like a kind of a, like a health retreat looking after their mental health, health and welfare. So we have parent support groups and uh, various things that are going to make mums and dads feel really, really good about themselves. And so there's three camps running at the same time and people are able to all be themselves and connect with like-minded souls with people that are going through, they're probably different experiences But there's a lot of similarities there in terms of the things that they can connect with and and, and talk about. And so it is fabulous. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Something, And we've we've got some exciting things uh, coming up. Um, And I encourage uh, anyone that listens to this to go and check us out on Facebook, um, Autism Camp Australia, and uh, see what's what's around the corner and see what's about to happen because there are some things there that uh, are so exciting.
0: Like that Facebook page and stay tuned. But, um, yes. yeah, that, that sounds so great because you're right, like the, the parents and the siblings and, and that, it's such a family effort and, yeah, can be, and you touched on it earlier, it can be so overwhelming and hard and tough on your relationship when you have a child with um, with any type of, uh, of you know, extra needs or, or that kind of thing and um, it's important to look after yourself as much as you to look after your, your little ones. So, yeah, that can yeah, sounds absolutely yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah, and I guess you know, as family members, when, our, when our, our children are diagnosed as having a difference, I guess uh, I think we bring in this 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 bias, this information that's been told to us through our family members, through through culture, through through Definitely. generations of the way that we, we spoke about spoke about disability and differences, and so part of what uh, our role as, as running a camp organisation is to reshift or re or change. Uh, that narrative and, and that perception of what being different is all about. And so being different when you're at Autism Camp Australia is a, is a positive thing. It's something That's to the best thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so even though uh, for some families, um, you know, it may have been a challenge very early on, it may still continue to be a challenge, but we kind of we want them to be in that environment of where they start to thrive uh, socially, but they start to thrive to... Uh, emotionally um, and that they realize that you're not alone and these experiences you know they don't have to be daunting experiences they can be things that are uh, that are commonly shared and are amongst other individuals who are like-minded in terms of embracing embracing that difference so yeah check us out we're gonna be everywhere <laughs> all over Australia
0: well uh, for a bit of a callback that's great. G R E A T, great. And uh, speaking of your program that you put on, how can people find that and get in touch? You know, with you, Travis.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Josh. Uh, so I run a a Facebook page school called School of the Road. Uh, I think originally I started that that School of the Road uh, Facebook page. It was more about um, getting people to check check us out as a family in terms of what we were doing to embrace um embrace life and i kind of i set it up as a, as a bit of a kind of a blog site when we cycled across america but it's kind of morphed yeah. over the years in terms of its advocacy um, and it's where i talk about kind of tips and ideas and and everything that the family's up to and also some of those uh things that we're doing in terms of our, our training and so i've got a link on that Page two, which heads to uh, our website, which is uh, workingwithparents.com.au, and that's where people can find out all about the, the training that uh, we offer.
0: Yeah, that sounds really cool. And so everyone can jump on, like School of the Road on Facebook, uh, Autism Camp Australia on Facebook. And uh, for everyone listening, those links that Travis just mentioned will be in the show notes. So it will be re- really easy for people to find it. Travis, thanks for joining us. Thank you, mate. Um, Nick, can't wait to keep following your journey and hear these exciting updates from you. Um, And, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to keep in touch and talk soon.
1: Thanks so much, Josh. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you.
0: I hope you enjoyed our interview. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. If you know someone's making a difference, then you can contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, www.awardsaustralia.com and you can nominate them, help spread their story and share their message. Awards Australia is a family-owned Australian business. Our awesome producer, Annette, is my mum, and the other podcast host, Jeff, is my dad. We proudly aim to make a difference in the lives of Australians. and We thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our awards programs possible. Would your business like to know how to get involved? Contact us now. See our details in the show notes. Please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss an episode and please share this episode with your network to pay it forward. Who doesn't like to hear a positive good news story? We'd also greatly appreciate it if you review and rate the series as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe and remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.